We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's up, Dynasty Command Center Nation? Before we dive into episode 45, our fresh combine reaction pod, risers and droppers and everything in between, I want to talk to you a little bit about our sponsor for today's podcast. It's Bet Online. March has arrived. We're only weeks away from the big tournament. Yes, it's that tournament. March Madness is almost upon us. Uh, make sure to head to Bet Online today. It's betonline.ag. Open an account. Get in on their $100,000 bracket madness contest. It starts March 15th. That's right. I said 100 grand and March 15th. You don't have to be hardcore to get in on this action. And with multiple entries available, it's the season's best chance to cash in. I know. You know, even dating back to high school, we'd have like the illegal like cash under the table in the cafeteria. You know, how many brackets can you put in? You know, you're, you're putting different kids name on it, trying to increase your chances to win. Bet online's making sure you can put those multiple entries in and increase your odds. Also, the NBA and XFL are still going strong. So whatever your passion is, bet online. It's the place to be for all your betting needs. Visit our good friends and exclusive partner bet online to take care of the best bonuses in the business. Sign up for a free account and make sure to use that promo code BLUEWIRE. It's all one word, BLUEWIRE, for your 50% sign-up bonus. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. All right. Well, I'm Curtis Patrick. Uh, your faithful host. We've got Travis May, the faithful host. We're going to talk about the NFL Combine from last week. We really want to focus in on some risers and and fallers. You know, not to the point that these guys are making huge bounces up or down the board because, you know, the Combine is just additional player context, right? But I want to quickly hit on some players we're not going to talk about today. (laughs) 
We're going to talk about him by, by not, we're not going to talk about him, but we're going to talk about him. So Jonathan Taylor just comes in, smashes the combine, just burns up the turf with a, a four, three, nine, 40. Um, absolutely just, you know, validating all of, all of us who had him at, at the one Oh one pre combine. Um, it's impossible to double count the number one overall player, right? Travis. Yeah, I mean, we, we all knew it was coming. I, I think the the betting line was like four, five, one or something. So that was the easiest bet on on any book you, you would probably find. Just uh, him coming in under that. But uh, when you run that at his weight and put up three, you know, two thousand yard seasons, uh, I think he's okay. Yeah, exactly. And so um, as elated as we were to see Taylor smash the combine, you know, at the same position. I was very frustrated that J.K. Dobbins didn't compete, and we're gonna have to wait for those yeah. those Ohio State uh, measurements. Hopefully, you know, hopefully that ankle's doing well enough, or you know, he eats the right type of breakfast that morning, or whatever whatever <laughs> it is that he that he needs to do. I don't have doubts about J.K. Dobbins as a prospect. You know, him not being at the combine doesn't change his production or his film, but it was very disappointing to not get that early information, Travis. Yeah, I, I mean, I think a lot of people forgot that he really, you know, is two months off of a high ankle sprain. And so people are thinking, oh, yeah, man, if you sit out the drills at the, the combine, that just means you're unathletic. It's like, dude, he, he's not even 100%. Why would you force it? So uh, I think we really just need to slow down. And uh, just because we didn't find out any anything more or, or get something to feed our confirmation bias, it's 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 okay. It'll be fine. Yeah, dro- dropping Dobbins would be highly um... – I think that's that's a bad move um, right now. This isn't a guy who we think was was scared of it. I think I really do think he would have been one of the top athletes at the position, no, one I'm of the top saying, yeah. two to three athletes. So, um, <laughs> it, if anything, it might be a, a chance to get Dobbins a little cheaper, or one of those, you know, maybe that one hundred three, one hundred four pick a little bit cheaper than you could have pre combine um, at the wide receiver position. You know, we didn't get to see T Higgins compete. Mm. Yeah, that, that would have been a lot of fun. I, I think uh, he would have ran. Uh, faster than uh, what some people are talking about. Oh, yeah, he just missed out because he runs like a 4.7, you know, just because he set out. But uh, I think he's already proven uh, his worth in some big moments. So I'm not worried. Not not about him either. Yeah, I think it's another another example of a, a buy opportunity on, on Higgins if he already exists in a league based off of, you know, what you're doing there. Um, I do think, you know, he would have run a little bit slower compared to some of the, the bigger guys, the other big guys that were there. Um, but he has the draft capital locked in. I mean, he's basically a consensus top 20 pick, um, in, in, in mock drafts from, from all the major media outlets. So I, I really do think he had more to lose by running poorly than just by not running at all. Um, and then on the, on the total polar opposite side of the spectrum to the Jonathan Taylor win, you know, I was pretty disappointed in Jalen Rager's 40 time. Um, it makes me happy because he should be a little bit cheaper. I actually do think he will appreciably drop the uh, the excitement and energy that was out there for Jalen Rager. I do in, in great part uh, to to the two of us, but also from many of our friends in the in the industry who are high on him. Um, it's almost like you know we set this high bar that we really wanted him to get to and thought he was capable of, and he still he still ran a pretty good time. Um, not a time that's so slow that raises eyebrows, but you know, it definitely fell short. You know, when we start talking about a guy who might've been a sub four, three, even as where some of the chatter was getting, um, you know, running where he ran was a little bit disappointing. So I'm assuming he's not actually moving for you, Travis. Oh no. I mean, it's just like, he's pretty thick and he may have even added some weight 
just for the combine to come in a, a little bit thicker. So, you know, running a 4.47 and 2.06, I'm not concerned uh, at all. Yes, it's a disappointment given the hype surrounding it, but that's not slow at all. I mean, the average for the position is like 4.51-ish, so he's he's doing just fine. So uh, he's, he's faster on tape anyway, so I'm not worried whatsoever. All right, so those are the guys that we didn't talk about but still talked about. Now let's get in. Let's get into uh, two, four, or five players who, here who are probably going to rise up our boards. You know, with, with a, a quick disclaimer here. You know, at, at Rotoviz, this is uh, volume two of the rookie guide. You know, compilation and formation week here. So you know, we haven't fully set in. You know, our rankings on these players. How high might they move? Do they actually move in a tier? Is there a player who wasn't even ranked before, you know, that now gets into the top 50, those types of things, you know, those aren't fully known. Um, but we've, we've, we've stared at this information, uh, athletic information enough, um, to know who we need to do a little bit more, uh, deep research on. And so we, we can at least tell you if, if we're leaning towards a, a rise or fall grade on some of these players. So we got to start with the human wrecking ball, AJ Dillon, <laughs> A.J. Dillon, Travis, weighed in at 247 pounds, 247 pounds, and he ran a four, what, a four, five, three? He ran a four, five, three, that's 63rd percentile, 40-yard dash since year 2000 for running backs, but at that weight, man, at that weight, 117 speed score, uh, extremely strong in the bench press. But where I was really impressed, it wasn't really, I mean, the 40 was great. It actually was a little faster than I thought he'd run. But what is so encouraging about Dylan, and it's hard to kind of tell with him on, on tape and because of the level of competition at, at Boston College sometime, was the explosion. 97 and 98 percentile in the vertical jump and the broad jump for A.J. Dillon at six foot 247. I mean, it was absolutely outstanding. Um, he definitely blew me away. He'd kind of been hanging out there in kind of the mid to late second round. And and I think that he has, you know, is very deserving of uh tier two running back consideration um, after that athletic performance, Travis. Yeah. And I think some people were even, you know, third round rookie pick. Uh, I think some people that were really downing his draft capital were even saying fourth round rookie pick. So I, I think he definitely deserves a little boost there. I mean, when you, have uh, four, five, three. I mean, being in Nashville, people are talking about him and Derrick Henry because Derrick Henry was six three, two forty seven. You know, and had a four, five, four. So it's it's so close. And you know, you got the the contract situation of Henry, and like people are like, oh, just draft AJ Dillon. So there's there's clearly a a hype train uh, with him. And if he gets that that uh, day two draft capital that we typically like to see, oh, man, it's it's going to be tough to keep him out of the top. You know, twelve to fifteen picks in most rookie drafts, I think, especially if he lands in a sexy spot with some opportunities. So it's good to see him uh, take off. And, and it's funny that he really predicted this uh, on Twitter, I think like two years ago, uh, that he would come in pretty near exactly the numbers uh, that he got. I think he nailed his vertical on the spot, just barely missed it with the 40 prediction. Uh, so it's, it's fun to see that kind of thing happen where a player's just that confident and then they just actually pull it off. So <laughs> just really exci- excited for a player who's uh, really come a long way uh, from the beginning. Yeah, and, and I'm wondering too, um, even in just a year, how much other NFL teams might be more willing to deploy a player like this after the success that Derrick oh, yeah. Henry had 
uh, behind the Tennessee line last year. And it really is remarkable how close they were across the board. I mean, it's really not unfair to say at this point that A.J. Dillon, at least athletically, is a more compact, slightly more explosive version of Derrick Henry. <laughs> and, and if you... Right. right. I mean, right? <laughs> and so that is, you know, it, when you boil it down to those terms, um, it's it's pretty exciting to imagine what the possibilities could be at the next level. So uh, another guy who just uh, kind of came out of nowhere, um, more so than, more so than Dylan who had the name brand, but you know, we maybe doubted how athletic he really was, was Antonio Gibson, Antonio Gibson, primarily a running back at Memphis and a very crowded running back, uh, room there, but he tested as a wide receiver at the combine, a very nice, very thick 228 pounds and just blazed at four three nine in the forty. That was really the story with him. Um, kind of a mixed bag of results in the other events. Um, actually, does not look overly explosive uh, under the fiftieth percentile with a vert and, and broad there, but ninety second uh, percentile forty yard dash um, gives him a freak score of seventy nine. You actually compute a freak score on him uh, since he did test as wide receiver, but you know, his closest comp. You're gonna like his closest comp in the road of his combining explorer, Travis. It's AJ. It's AJ Brown. Um, he's he was uh, same height, two pounds heavier, a tenth of a second faster. Now, yeah. of course, you know he didn't he didn't actually play the position in college, but you know that's that's pretty exciting. Yeah, I mean he was weird because I mean he was like a a wide receiver that could be a deep threat on some plays, but also line up in the backfield and. Uh, did a little bit of everything, uh, whatever he was asked to do. He didn't even have 100 touches this past season, but it, it didn't matter. He, he still just made huge plays, and I think his yards per touch was over 10. Uh, you know, being a hybrid, just, uh, th- you know, playmaking threat type dude. So <laughs> I think a lot of people thought he was going to, uh, you know, show out with the running, uh, running backs, but he actually chose to be a wide receiver. So I don't know what he's going to be at the next level, but, yeah, I mean, if, if he would – he really would have impressed more so if he would have been with the running backs because he would have tied Jonathan Taylor uh, and actually gone before Jonathan Taylor just because they do it alphabetically. He would have ran that four three nine uh, before they even got to Jonathan Taylor. So uh, I think there would have been a lot more hype if he was just running with the running backs this, this past week. But I think a lot of people that are savvy to the situation understand uh, that that might be his position anyway, uh, and, and he could be that uh, kind of uh, late-rising uh, David Johnson type threat that that gets um, you know some day two capital and and uh, ends up going pretty early in drafts. I actually had him inside my top thirty uh, rookie rankings, even with some IDP uh, prior to this, just anticipating uh, his dominance dominance at the combine. So he didn't move up a bunch for me just because it's kind of a confirmation of what I already knew. But definitely a player I'm super excited about now that I, I really believe he's going to get some capital going with it. Yeah, he'll, he'll definitely be a mover. Um, he was outside the top 50, Was not did not appear in volume one of our Dynasty Commencement Rookie Guide. So you can be sure that Antonio Gibson will be making an appearance in that next issue that'll drop sometime this weekend or early next week. A player that's going to definitely be moving up my board. I don't know how high yet, but definitely is Denzel Mims. Now, I was I was highest on the team on Denzel Mims coming into the combine, but that was had nothing to do with his athleticism per se. It was more just based off his production profile. And he had kind of a weird college uh, situation, you know, got in a little bit of trouble here and there 
but if you just look, you know, and he was an order order kid coming into school, uh, age nineteen, freshman, uh, that went on the books there. But he broke out at age twenty with a thirty three percent dominator rating there at Baylor, uh, over a thousand yards and eight touchdowns as a sophomore, and, and actually posted three straight years with over a thirty percent dominator. Yeah, capped it off with a forty three percent dominator as a senior this year. Oh yeah, older older senior, one of the older guys coming in. Um, and we like our young prospects at Rotoviz, but this guy did break out. I mean, he easily, easily broke out before age 21, which is what we're really, you know, looking for. Doesn't get that extra boost from being pre-age 20, but Denzel Mims, I mean, he does, he really checks all the boxes now because he checked all those, uh, production boxes. But when you add in the athleticism, I mean, he is an across the board stud, Travis, six, three, two Oh seven, uh, four, three, eight in the 40. Yeah. 90, um, 90th percentile right there and, and yeah not, not 93rd percentile yeah. yeah and and super explosive uh jumped i mean basically jumped over the entor- entire broad jump course 93rd percentile 84th percentile vert 94th percentile three cone um you know sometimes maybe with these real bursty guys they don't still have that same agility um, and he still managed, still managed to be shifty. I mean, Denzel Mims is going to be flying up everyone's boards. Um, and, and, you know, I know that'll be the truth that Rotov is as well. Oh yeah. I mean, and really I was, I was kind of pumped just at his uh, adjusted production index, how that settled in. He was fifth in this class, uh, basically a 70th, 75th percentile, uh, overall production score. Uh, the way I, I slice it up uh, in terms of his adjusted dominator, yards per team pass attempt, touchdowns per team pass attempt. It really, almost every angle you look at his profile, uh, there's something to get excited about. And and you mentioned the three cone. He was like the only wide receiver that didn't have an embarrassing three cone there. Uh, just with the new uh, moving to prime time, I, I felt like everybody forgot how to move their hips once it got to like 1130. But uh <laughs> Yeah, you get used to just getting locked in on the couch there, and these guys weren't ready for it. Um, it is really weird that that happened. Yeah, you know, I, I, I bet. I mean, I bet a lot of these guys will significantly improve their three cones of their pro days. Oh, so. they have to. I mean, it was yeah. like a full almost. The, the, collectively, they were almost t- like two full tenths slower than we typically see a wide receiver class. Like they were off by. It was just a major out. Like we've never seen times this slow in the three cone, which was just bizarre. So. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if they adjust the uh, schedule and how they kind of do agility testing maybe next year if if they do choose to keep it in prime time. Now, if you want to go for for cheaper Denzel Mims, so and this would <laughs> probably be like you know maybe maybe the the second most uh, movable player after the NFL Combine, just because we know that the draft pedigree is going to be different now, yeah. not necessarily because we we think of him. Differently from a, a profile standpoint, it's more chasing the draft pedigree with a player like this. It's Chase Claypool. So Chase Claypool also measured amazing across the board. Actually, actually did not turn in a three cone, but was above the 80th percentile and 40 bench vert and broad, and actually had a 94th percentile vert. Um, 4.42 at 6'4", 238. So another tall guy, but much thicker than Mims. Um, and you know the production. He did have a breakout as a senior, um, you know, 33% dominator as a senior at Notre Dame this year. So it's better to break out than to not break out. Um, but we didn't see it until pretty late. You know, I know you've, you've taught me over the last couple of years. I mean, Notre Dame hasn't exactly had 
the best quarterback situation to deal with there. But even with a bad quarterback, you can still break out. Jalen Rager showed us that. Um, and so, I, you know, that's, that's a pretty, that's a glaring mark on Chase Claypool that makes me want to slow my roll. Uh, but he's, I mean, he's definitely going to move up my board. Yeah. I mean, he basically always was just somehow, he found a way to be second fiddle uh, no matter who was who was playing with him, whether it was Equinemius St. Brown, who ended up being a way late round guy, Miles Boykin, who was a later breakout guy who got some capital last year. Uh, but yeah, to, to do what he did at his size is just kind of absurd. It's basically him and Calvin Johnson and nobody else that have been able to do uh, what he yeah. what he did at uh, just uh, overall with his vert and his, his speed at that size. It's just unreal. And he does hit minimum thresholds for uh, production, especially peak production, about the 60th percentile, looking at, at it that way, which is basically around the minimum of what we want to see but that that players like AJ Brown uh, met the barely met the minimum threshold on the adjusted production index last year as well so uh, I'm definitely I definitely did move him up my board uh, just because I think he's going to get drafted now higher than I thought <laughs> so we'll see uh, maybe the NFL proves me wrong maybe they don't care as much about the NFL combine but I definitely could see things changing but Another guy for sure yeah, that's going to be rising up draft boards most likely, even if we are kind of double counting because we kind of knew it knew it was coming, is uh, Donovan Peoples Jones for Michigan. Obviously, it doesn't help to have Shea Patterson as your quarterback if you've been watching college football for uh, very long, or just the Mich- Michigan offense in general. Uh, but Donovan Peoples Jones, I mean, what I mean, he was basically what hundredth percentile in the bird, hundredth percentile in the broad, something like that. Yeah, yeah, I mean, 99th percentile and change yeah. <laughs> in in both of the jumps, uh, and ran pretty well. Ran pretty well. At, you know, two twelve uh, was his way in, and was sub four five uh, with the four four eight. Um, so definitely, you know, kind of almost at a cop, top quartile level. Yeah, uh, for the forty. You know, the the, the problem that I have with Peoples Jones um, compared to the last two guys that we talked about. So now we're talking about three three bigger guys. You know, Peoples Jones not as big as the other two, but three bigger guys, six two and above. Um, he he just never did anything. He never did anything at Michigan. He scored some touchdowns, um, and you know, if if you were to look at you know a, a weighted dominator and adjusted dominator, wouldn't have been anywhere near um, a thirty. You know, the thirty percent that we're looking for. You know, he managed twenty seven percent. Yeah. Um, as a sophomore because of eight touchdowns, but you know for a Again, you know, I just want to use Rager as a comparison. I mean, Michigan was throwing the ball, um, and we still didn't get, you know, they were, it's not like they handed the ball off every time. No. You know, if Peoples Jones really was, you know, this type of athleticism should have shown up. Now, he has some great highlights. If you want to look up his highlights, you know, he has a few. Um, but he's playing Big Ten competition, Big Ten corners. Um, you know, the bottom half of the Big Ten is not anything to write home about. Obviously, the top half is as good as any other, you know, conference in the country. Um, but I, it just concerns me to, to get overly hyped about a guy who never crested 581 receiving yards in a season um, that's testing so good athletically. And so, I mean, Peoples-Jones is a guy that seems like like NFL draft Twitter and uh, the media was high on all along. Like I've been scratching my head throughout this whole process when I see him mocked in the second round consistently. And I think it's just a guy that, you know, I was, you know, I, I was just totally ignorant to the noise because I just thought it was so ridiculous that he would get mocked there. Um, but I think the athleticism probably does. It, it's probably confirmation bias for those guys. 
And so I am going to, I mean, I'm going to move him up. I, I don't feel good about it. He's not going to move up super high. He's not tier one or even a tier two receiver now. Um, but I, I think he's going to be, he's probably going to get late round two consideration for me. You know, by the time I, I turn in these ranks or, or maybe right at two, three turn. Whereas I barely had him in my top 50 in the first version of the guide. Yeah. I still don't think I'm going to sneak him in my, my top two rounds myself. Uh, but yeah, you want to see a guy do something and, and, and really it's, 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 it would have been one thing if he was like a three-star guy that kind of had to climb his way up the depth chart and prove himself, and and then he kind of broke out somewhat. But, I mean, he was the five-star stud. He was supposed to come in yeah. and make an instant impact and didn't do that. He didn't, even, he didn't even score a touchdown in his first season for Michigan. And in second season, he was just all over the place with an inconsistency. And his last season, I mean, people like to, to make fun of uh, you know Henry Ruggs for being the wide receiver three on his own team. Peoples-Jones was the wide receiver three on his own team. This past year, I mean, <laughs> like really, and and that's not like, yeah. like with these, yeah. you know, crazy studs either. I mean, it's like Ronnie Bill and Nico Collins. Like I like Nico Collins, but I don't think he's going to be a great pro. So it's just, I don't know. I, it's hard to get excited about him, but he is going to be rising in just across the you know general perception for sure. So it's going to be hard to to not rank him higher just when he does get that draft capital, probably. Right, and and I think the two three turn area is ultimately where he lands if he gets day two draft cap. I mean, he's going to get, he locked in day two draft capital, in my opinion, coming from a major program and performing at the combine like he did. I, I think it'd be an upset if he wasn't around three draft pick. And so it's a little bit of reading yeah. the tea leaves and, yeah. and going against, you know, it's, he, he goes in that cluster of guys that don't meet the, you know, the analytics thresholds that, that I would prefer to have. Um, using our process at Rotoviz, but yeah. then you kind of lump them in there that, okay, well, they missed all these other check boxes, but they have draft capital. All right, there's where those guys go. And then and then we move on to the guys that don't have any draft capital at all. Um, yeah. So those are some those are some guys who are going to be moving up uh, for Travis and I to varying degrees. Um, maybe a little bit more so in A.J. Dillon's case, um, confirming what we thought some upside could have been. The, the other guys, I think you'll see appreciably move. Let's Let's quickly hit... Some droppers. Yeah. I don't want to spend too much time on it because, again, a poor combine performance, if you have the film and the production, you know, it doesn't mean it doesn't mean you're not going to get the draft capital anymore. You know, we saw people like Devin Singletary fall on their face last year and still go day two <laughs> yeah. and then actually still look pretty good yeah. as an NFL player. And so, you know, again, the combine is just context. If you are high on any of these players that we're going to talk about, it doesn't mean they're dead. Um, if they still get the draft capital, I'm certainly not giving up on the players on this list that I liked. Uh, but I think, you know, they, they may get jostled around a little bit within the tier, uh, that they were in. And and I think the big headliner here, Travis has to be Zach Moss. Absolutely. Zach Moss, Zach Moss showed up as pro football focuses RB one <laughs> in their NFL draft guide. And, and it's because there are some things that he did on film uh, and that showed up on their stat sheet in terms of being elusive that he basically was one of the best running backs they've ever charted when it comes to forcing missed tackles and his combine performance doesn't suggest that he should have been able to do that, but that it's on film. I mean, he actually did it. So, you know, we have to take it with a grain of salt, but you know, th- this is basically like a higher profile edition of what happened to Singletary last year. Moss was basically a bottom quartile 
athlete across the board other than the bench, which doesn't translate as much uh, to the NFL. It, you know, really, I, I think I've heard some NFL scouts say that it just shows us how hard a player is willing to work. Uh, that's really why they yeah. do the bench press. Um, but Zach Moss, you know, looks like a pretty poor athlete compared to his peers across the board, which is exactly what happened to Singletary last year. Singletary still goes on day two, still goes to the Bills, gets his chance. Could certainly happen to Zach Moss, but I think the this talk of him entering tier one with those other guys is is dead, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's it's definitely dead. Uh, had his four seven that they had on TV initially stuck, he, he would have been dead, dead. <laughs> but uh, he he's he's four seven. Yeah, I know. Oh man. So he's not dead, but you know, and his four six five is kind of it's redeemable, but it's you know now more Jeremy Hillish than it is Kareem Hunt ish. So uh, I'm I'm not sure that that I'm going to get excited about a player, a player like that. But if he sneaks into the back end of day two, like, you know, Alexander Madison or Devin Singletary, and he's not in a horrible spot, he's he's going to stay uh, around two and uh, be in that area. But he's definitely not a, a top-tier back. So, yeah. A back that we weren't as excited about that had been gaining a little bit of late, kind of late-round dart momentum uh, going into the NFL Combine as a trendy player was Salvan Ahmed from Washington. This is a guy who needed to come in and blaze. He either needed to come in and blaze or show up like amazing in shuttle and three cone. Well, he didn't do the shuttle or the three cone. He he weighed in at 197, yeah. sub six foot, and then he posted a 4.62 in the 40. Yikes. Is that- um, yeah. Yeah, not not great. Four six two. I mean, we've seen backs like that succeed, but with this weight, you you would want him to be a burner or just show up as like otherworldly agile. Yeah, do, and do so something. His, his, yeah, his, yeah, yeah. Give us anything to be excited <laughs> about, man. Um, um, yeah, it, it's pretty pretty frustrating. Um, you know, I know there are some guys on our team who are pretty pretty high on on Ahmed. I think uh, Blair Andrews really liked uh, Ahmed and. And so he, I, he's on my radar really just for that sole reason. Um, but we've really got to see what happens at pro day, I think with his agility numbers. And if he looks pedestrian there, uh, he gets pushed way down into just basically dart throw territory instead of trendy sleeper. Yeah. And, and even at this point, he's just absolutely a, a lock for late round draft capital, if anything. So uh, disappointing to, to say the least, but uh, a couple wide receivers. I mean, we did have one bet on uh, on a certain wide receiver. Uh, and I, don't, I don't know if it was homerism or, or what it was, overconfidence on your part that <laughs> that, that got you betting KJ Hill. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I we, we bet that KJ Hill. Uh, I think I bet that he would be slower than four four eight, and then you bet that, that he would be faster than four four eight. I think that that's what it was. Yeah, I, I owe you twenty bucks. I've got it. Got it right <laughs> here. Um, it's fine. I you know I. I live in the central Ohio area. Uh, I'm able to get um, some good, some good Intel on, on testing on, on some of the Ohio state players. And, you know, I, I know for a fact, you know, he'd run uh, hand time forties, you know, sub, you know, really pushing four, four and certainly well under uh, well under four five. Um, and you really want these guys to run well at the combine. They should be in tip top shape running as well as they're possibly going to. And he just didn't turn into a good time. I mean, it's very much like the Ra- Jalen Rager situation. I was a little overconfident in the 40 it's, it's fine. I own it. I uh, ran a four, six, you're $20 richer. Um, it, do- <laughs> it does not. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It does not change my KJ Hill stance. Um, and, and if anything, 
I think some NFL teams may be happy that that's the number he put up. I mean, running running out of the slot like he's going to run. Um, it's it's about timing. It's about footwork. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about creating separation and straight line forty speed. Uh, does not necessarily equate to any of those things. Um, we've seen guys, you know, run unimpressive forties like Keenan Allen, like Jarvis Landry, uh, that work in that area of the field, and it hasn't bothered them, you know, a bit. There's other reasons that other people don't like KJ Hill. Um, we've talked a lot about why I do, uh, but his forty doesn't scare me off. I'm just mad about my twenty dollars. <laughs> and though it'll be all right, but it, it, it would have been nicer uh, to see him do do something a little bit more. Uh, more sexy at the combine just because i mean he he had all that senior bow hype and catching one-handed passes and all that but you know he's he's i doubt he's going to be a day two pick now personally but we'll see what happens with kj hill but uh yeah i think i think the line was always around three four and unfortunately it's probably more of a round four guy now yeah most likely and before we sign off for and and maybe take a victory lap on a, a tight end uh, Jawan Jennings and, and Quintess Cephas were two names that I think some people wanted to see if, what they could do at the combine just because they really play physically. They've made some big plays and big games against tough competition. Uh, but, uh, I mean, they're pretty much dead now and running, you know, worse than four, seven in the 40. I mean, that's, that's like, you know, slower than most of the tight ends in this class <laughs> for, uh, for both of them. So that's not, not a great look. Uh, for Jennings and Cephas, sorry if, if you guys are, are their fans, but they're probably probably off the, off the radar and really late round guys at this point. Do uh, you see anything different there, Curtis? Well, the only thing that was interesting was Cephas. No, I mean I agree. I mean the the testing numbers were were brutal. Um, the thing that I thought was really interesting, um, Cephas came up. They were interviewing a corner. It'll come to me in a minute. It was Okuda, They're, I think. Yeah. What? Yeah. It was Jeffrey Okuda yeah. from Ohio State. They were asking him, you know, because he's played against a lot of a lot of great receivers. I mean, especially you think about some of the playoff games that Ohio State's been in during Akuda's career. Yeah, uh, he's played against the Clemson guys uh, in particular. He said Quintez Cephas was the best wide receiver that he ever guarded in college. Probably because I mean, he that, punched him in the mouth. <laughs> yeah, I mean that so, somebody's writing that down, and I mean that's going to get talked about. That's going to get talked about in every scouting circle. They're going to go back and look at you know what was Akuda. You know, okay, did these guys like you know they go high school together or like you know they have they're like secret third cousins or did you know did he actually figure out a way to get yeah. a leg up on Akuda? Um, but but yeah, I think I mostly agree. There's there's far less to be excited about there, and and not because not because they had a subpar combine versus expectations. They were just like actually subpar athletes, and that's yeah. that's the problem there. But I, I last time we had a pod, I took a victory lap on. Uh, pronouncing this name. You gonna try it again? Actually, actually, Travis Albert Okui Boonham. There I mean, we go. I, I, it just it just rolls off the tongue, man. Way like, better I've been than teach- Rich Eisen. Way better. Yeah, I've, <laughs> Albert Okui Boonham. I've been teaching people on other pods, um, and you know we're gonna get this guy out there. He's been my tight end one all along, um, and and he came in and what he did, Travis, <laughs> is he came in and you know he he, he weighed in uh, and he got measured, so he he weighed in at two fifty eight. Yeah. Um, very healthy for 258. Looked great. Measured 6'5. And then he just went and blazed a 44940 and went home. He didn't do anything <laughs> yeah. else. Yeah. Um, why even do anything else after that? But uh need to. Yeah. Yeah. I think he he's gotta be a day two lock now, right? Yeah, I mean he has to be. I think he was already getting mocked there in a lot of places, along with Hopkins, along with Bryant. 
um, and Cole Komet. Uh, but I think Okoye Bonham is de- definitely going to be up there uh, just because that uh, elite speed and size combo along with his touchdown percentage in college. He just does a lot of things really well. So, uh, yeah, I think he was a top two or three tight end for us for a long time, probably a couple of years for both of us. So it's great to see um, uh, that we can uh, brag about being right about one more thing. We'll just ignore all the wrong stuff, though. Yeah. <laughs> nah, we, we, we took we took some L's here. I had to take more than you. But, um, you know, I, I think it, just going back to the Rotovis Combine Explorer for one last thought on Okui Boonham, you know, these these guys that are in this height, weight, speed range have really panned out. They've just really panned yeah. out in the NFL. Um, yeah. So I'm just going to go down about the top 10 to 12 names here and you know, hit rates slightly above 50% and the hits have been like really good hits. So um, Ben Watson is his, actually his top comp. You know, he's not the blocker that Ben Watson is, you know, that's like sacrilege, but um, Okoye Boonham and Ben Watson, I mean, Ben Watson is, uh, a, I mean, a tenured pro. I mean, what is he like 35, 36 years old? He hung around forever uh, because of his combination. Um, Jordan Cameron, who obviously did not get the draft capital that Okoye Boonham will have, but popped. Um, for you know that season in, in Cleveland a few years ago, Jimmy Graham, Jared Cook, Greg Olson, OJ Howard, uh, Travis Kelsey, Noah Fant, Mike Jasicki, you know all guys on the first page yeah. uh, for Al- Alberto Boonham. So you know jury's still out on a couple of those guys, um, but obviously some of them have been perennial fantasy studs. So uh, I, I would say energy and excitement for this player should be rising in the dynasty community. Oh yeah, absolutely. So it's fun to talk about a player like that that uh, has a fun, cool name uh, that, that we get to listen to announcers uh, mess up for about the next three or four years. Uh, so that's going to be a blast. It was hilarious just trying to listen to uh, Rich Eisen say his name. <laughs> but uh, but that's probably about all the time we have for this episode. And uh, definitely be looking for the next edition of the Rookie Guide here. We are really pumped to uh, get that out here soon. Uh, I'm actually in process of uh, writing about some defensive players uh, for all you individual defensive playing uh, fantasy football nerds like myself. Uh, I know we're rehashing some rankings here, doing some mock drafting and some other cool, unique content uh, for the second edition. So it's not too late to get that and uh, really have the, uh, this next edition and the post draft edition for the rookie guys. So check that out here soon, but uh, we'll be podcasting more about these rookies in the near future. But until next time, Keep living that dynasty life. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.